If you have your Bibles this morning, and I trust that you do, if you can open with me to two different places, Psalm 139 and Isaiah 40. So Psalm 139 and then Isaiah 40. And welcome to week 15 of a series that has us walking through the attributes of God, a series um, that we are calling Behold. We are looking at, intently looking at the attributes of God. And here's what we know. For most people, God is a mystery. Even to us who seeking Him is a mystery. But some people aren't even sure whether God exists or if He does exist, they wonder, can we even know Him? Others believe in Him because they say in their minds, there can't be nothing times nobody equals everything. But when the subject of relationship with God comes up, they, they are confused and left silent And then there are a lot of people who proclaim a relationship with God, but at the same time, they don't feel any kind of emotion or affection to God. They are left kind of apathetic to all the things that they know that aren't displayed in in their lives. And all of these issues are addressed in knowing the attributes of God, which is really knowing the person of God. This is what we're doing. We're just drawing into the person of God. These attributes are given to us by revelation of God. They're a collection of descriptions from the Bible of who God is. And in saying that, we must remember that we should never treat the knowledge of God as a given. So knowing God is not just a given. It is instead something that has been given to us. So it takes God To know God, and we have been saying that over and over and over again. God must reveal Himself to us if we are going to know Him. And this morning we come to the omniscience of God. So last week we began looking at the three omnis of Scripture. um, Omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence. As uh, Pastor Tony Evans said it, God knows what needs to be done. That's omniscience. He has the power to do it. That's omnipotence. He's always wherever he needs to be to do whatever needs to be done. And that is omnipresence. And just think with me about omniscience or about knowledge. And let me just say this. We live in a day when we literally do not have to wait for answers. If it can be known, we can know it in seconds. If you have no idea what I'm talking about... Hey, Siri, what is this? Or if you're sick, like I did a couple weeks ago, my eyes started messing up. I I went to WebMD. I went and saw the doctor, and I said, listen, either I have some issues with my sinuses or I have two weeks to live. I'm not, not really sure, you know, which one, which is the worst thing that you can do. But here's the problem, brothers and sisters. We have been trained to live without uncertainty. We have been taught that we are entitled to every answer. So we live as if we never have to not know again. If we have a question, we ask Siri or we go to Google and we have it just like that. Yet, think about this. We have an all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise God, yet most of us in this room who claim to be His children, we entrust our questions to the Internet or to our phones over our God. Just think about that. And then think about this, the answers that we need most. So I know we ask Siri a lot of things and a lot of 
um, silly things, but the, the answers we need most. How do I break the power of sin in my life? How do I fill the empty void in my life? What is the meaning of life? What do I say to my child who has wandered from the faith? Should I marry this person or that person? Or should I take this job or, or that job? Or why cancer? Why pain? Why suffering? The answer to those questions can only come from an all-knowing God. Only God can give us the answers that we need most. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The world, with all of its wisdom, will feed you for a day, but will starve you for all eternity. The world, with all the wisdom that the world offers us, it will feed us for a day, and yet the world's wisdom will starve us for eternity. If we truly want answers that lead to life, we must begin with the author of life. We have to begin with God. And God's omniscience is an attribute that we do not share with Him. To say that God is omniscient is to say that God possesses perfect knowledge and therefore God has no need to ever learn. It's to also say more than that. It's to say that God has never learned and cannot learn. His knowledge is unlimited. Think about a few of the truths that um, the Bible makes of, of God or statements that, that the Bible makes of God's knowledge. The Bible tells us that God knows the numbers of hair on our head. The Bible says that God knows a word before we ever spit speak it. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows our prayers before we ever pray them. He knows everything that we're going to do tomorrow, next day, next week, next year. He knows every moment of our lives until the day of our death, and He knows that too. He records every word that we say, and we will someday have to give an account for every careless, thoughtless word that we utter. And if you don't believe that, read Matthew 12, 36. God sees everything we do in secret, whether good or bad. He hears every whispered word. And here's a good question for us. Can we do any of that? We can't do that. Here's what amazes me. And I'll start with me. It amazes me that we are so quick to question the wisdom of God or the knowledge of God or put God on, on trial when how many of us this, sometime this week or in the last week have walked into a room and you forgot what it was you were, you were there um, to get? Anybody? So most of us in here, if you're a young person and you're, you're thinking we're all silly, it's your fault. So my kids are the reason that I walk in rooms and have no idea what I'm doing or what I'm there for. But think about this. I walk in a kitchen. I'm like, what, what am I here to get? And so, I mean, every time, if you ever get in that place, let me tell you what to do. You're definitely there for Oreos and milk. I mean, that's it. I mean, if you find yourself in a kitchen not knowing what to do, Oreos and milk is why you were there. But here we are, uh, and that is so something that is so true of all of us, and yet we're so quick to question God. And here's the sad thing. There is nothing that we are more apt to be proud of than our knowledge. Nothing more puffs us up than what we think we know. Yet here we are standing in a bedroom not knowing why in the world we're in there. I love the words of Stephen Charnook, the late Puritan, who says, We have a spark of being, but nothing to the heat of the sun. We have a drop of knowledge, but nothing to the divine ocean. What a vain thing it is for us for a shallow crook to boast of its streams before a sea whose depths 
are unfathomable. And then he says this, as it is a vanity to brag of our strength when we remember the power of God, so it is no less a vanity to boast of our knowledge when we think of the understanding and knowledge of God. So one of the things that I pray that happens today and every week that we dive in to the attributes of God is that we are left humbled. We're left humbled in the presence of God. When we stand in the presence of God, we realize two things. We're not, and He is. That's the point. We're not, and He is. It's supposed to humble us. So let's now um, humbly turn to God's Word. And if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 together, and then jump to Isaiah 40 and read verse 28. So when you get there, let me hear you say, So beginning at verse 1 of Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. And listen to what David says. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. There are no better words for us to speak than that. We cannot attain his knowledge. And then look at Isaiah 40, verse 28. And these are the words of God again. Listen to these questions and this, this amazing declaration. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. You are the omniscient, all-wise God. Humble us in your presence. Humble us by just the thought and the truth of who you are and your wisdom concerning all things. God, humble us today. Show us today how this applies to our lives. Show us today what this means to us. and Help us, God, whatever it is that you're telling us today, help us to respond obediently and immediately to you. God, speak by your word. Speak through your spirit. Holy Spirit, move in our our midst. Just hammer home things that we need to understand, things that we need to let go of, things that we need to do. Show us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you may be seated. So think about the omniscience of God, and then think about this. Most of us in this room, we do not like know-it-alls. Yeah, most of us, we don't like know-it-alls. Um, know-it-all is usually someone who thinks they know more than they actually do. Um, they often come across as prideful and arrogant. Most of us don't like hanging out with um, know-it-alls. Or if we, maybe people don't like hanging out with us, maybe it's because we are the know-it-alls. Yet, the God that we serve is literally a know-it-all. So we serve a God who is a know-it-all, but not like we think. Can you imagine having to never study for a test because you know every answer that could ever be asked? Can you imagine never having to wrestle with a major decision because you always know the right thing to do? Can you imagine having perfect knowledge of every 
detail. And then think about this question. If you had that kind of knowledge, what would you do with it? What would you do with it? Would you proclaim yourself to be the smartest person alive, really just filling up your own pride? Would you use the knowledge of all things to become the richest person ever? I mean, if you know what's going to happen, you'd be in Vegas betting on everything, uh, becoming the richest person ever, just filling your own greed. How would you use that knowledge? And think of this, our God, the one who made us, who created us, who has all knowledge, has used that knowledge not to trample on us, but to save us. Think about that. God has used the knowledge that we would use to corrupt us, and God has used that perfect knowledge to save us. And here's the understatement of the day. If you want the understatement of the day, here's the understatement of the day. God knows a lot more than we do. So God knows a lot more than we do. God has never picked up his cell phone and said, hey, Siri, what is this? Or, hey, Siri, how do I do this? God has never gone to Google and tried to um, figure out what to do. There are no limits to God's knowledge. Nowhere in God is there a sealed box where there is some form of knowledge that God does not know. God knows every possible item of knowledge um, concerning everything past, present, or future. Behold the omniscience of our God. So what I want to do in the remaining time that we have is I want us to unpack five truths. Yes, five truths. Some of you are, Jordan, I'm sorry. Not three, five truths related to the knowledge of God. Let me just give you kind of a warning. At first, these truths are going to kind of seem and sound mechanical. Just kind of walking through some, some kind of big chunks of truth concerning God. But at the end, we are going to get into the personal, how we can apply these truths and what this means to us. So don't stop too soon is what I'm saying. So five truths, let's jump into them. Number one, God's knowledge is immediate. His knowledge is immediate. Think of Romans 11, 33 through 35. Paul says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. There is nowhere in Scripture where God is seen as seeking out knowledge. No, God simply and perfectly knows. God does not learn. God does not discover. God does not forget. There is no piece of knowledge that exists that God does not know. God is never surprised. And that's a beautiful thing because guess what? I surprise myself often. Every week, every day I surprise myself and I go, really, Mike, you're that stupid? And God looks down and says, yes, you are. <laughs> and I knew that was going to happen, and I love you anyway. God's never surprised. He's never amazed. And God's knowledge is simultaneous. He sees all things, past, present, and future, at once. Or to put it this way, God thinks about all things at once. So God thinks about all things at once. If God desired to tell us how many um, grains of sand there were on the seashore or how many stars there were in the sky, God would not have to count them all quickly like some kind of supercomputer. 
God would also not have to call the number to mind because he hasn't thought about it in a long time. No, God would just know immediately because every bit of knowledge is in God's consciousness always. He just knows. God has never discovered anything. God has never wondered about anything. God has never said, huh, I wonder. He just doesn't happen. In the words of A.W. Tozer, God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirits and all spirits, all being and every being, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all feelings, all desires. Our God knows, and He knows instantly, and He knows effortlessly. He knows all things immediately. This is our God. So God's knowledge is immediate, but second, God's knowledge is independent. His knowledge is independent. Isaiah 40, 13 and 14, it says, Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? So that verse says this, Who gave God his wisdom? And the question is answered, No one. God does not receive his knowledge from anyone or from anything. God does not have to gather information. God does not have to go to any outside source. No one has ever taught God anything. God does not receive information from anyone or from anything external to himself. Again, as Tozer says, God has never learned from anyone. God cannot learn. Could God at any time or in any manner receive into his mind knowledge that he did not possess and had not possessed from eternity, he would be imperfect and less than himself. To think of a God who must sit at the feet of a teacher, even though that teacher be an archangel, is to think of someone other than the Most High God. So if God's knowledge was dependent on anyone or anything, he would not be God. God's knowledge is independent. It is not dependent on us. He has it. It is his. So God's knowledge is immediate. God's knowledge is independent. Third, God's knowledge is infinite. God's knowledge is infinite. God knows all things. He knows everything that has happened from eternity past and everything that will um, happen is currently happening now and everything that will happen all the way into eternity future. God's knowledge is infinitely vast. Just think about what God knows. Astrophysicists estimate that there are one billion trillion stars in the observable universe. So one billion trillion stars in the observable universe. That's one with 21 zeros after it. And then listen to Psalm 147, 4 and 5. He, meaning God, determines the number of stars. He gives all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. He, his understanding is beyond measure. One billion trillion stars in the observable universe and God has determined their number and has called them all by name. You know what I do? I'm over here going, running down the, when I'm trying to call one of my children, I go down the list, right? I, I can't just call them. I have to go through Misty Morgan, Madison Murphy, uh, Malachi, and finally I end up getting the right one. Anybody can relate? 
Don't act like you don't know. Don't act like you don't know. Parents, you know you know. And yet God instantly calls the stars by name. And even more than the stars, he calls us by name. He knows us. He knows everything that could be known. Here's a good question for us to wrestle with. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Nothing ever occurs to God. God never wakes up and says, oh, this idea just occurred to me. Because first of all, God never sleeps, so therefore he could never wake up. And then second of all, nothing ever occurs to him. Nothing can be hidden from him. No idea will ever come to him. As Isaiah 40, 20, as we read at the beginning, his understanding is unsearchable. God is, he is infinite. God is eternal. Therefore, his knowledge is infinite. He knows what is going to happen forever and as eternity has no end God's knowledge will have no end that is completely mind-blowing to us you know the whole if, if in the midst of this message we feel a little bit smaller than we did when we walked in that's probably a good thing that's a good thing for us to understand who we are so God's knowledge is immediate it's independent it's infinite and then fourth God's knowledge is inclusive God's knowledge is inclusive. In the words of one theologian, divine omniscience means that God holds no false beliefs. That's definitely different than us. And not only are all of God's beliefs true, the range of his knowledge is total. So God, the range of his knowledge is total. God's knowledge is simultaneous. He sees everything at once. God knows all things perfectly nothing escapes his knowledge his knowledge is all inclusive Isaiah 46 8 through 10 says remember this I am God there is no other I am God there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose God knows beginning from the end and declares it God knows all actual events throughout time. Think about what God knows. Just a few things. God knows all things from eternity past to eternity future. God knows everything in nature. God knows all the ways of man. God knows all those who are his. God knows every sorrow and every need that we have. God knows every detail of our lives. And in a special sense, God knows himself fully. We can't know God fully. We can know God truly, but God knows himself fully. There are many things that I could have added to that list, but it just shows us the perfect knowledge of God. God knows all things that are actual, and God knows all things that are possible. So God knows things actually, and God knows things potentially. He knows what could potentially happen. And when it comes to God, think about this, when it comes to God's inclusive knowledge, we often want God to tell us, Everything that's happening right now and why. So we think of God's knowledge and we say, well, God, if you have all knowledge, then tell me why am I going through this? Why is this happening? Or we want God to tell us what's going to happen and when. So we come to God and we want to use his knowledge. God, tell me why is this happening in my life? Or tell me what's going to happen and when is going to happen. Yet think about this. And please hear this. Don't miss this. Although God's knowledge is inclusive, it includes everything God is not a magic eight ball. 
He's not a magic eight ball that we shake up and we peer into whenever we need and have a decision to make. We don't use God in that way. We know that God has a plan for our lives. That is wonderful and amazing. The problem is we think God owes it to us to tell us that plan before it unfolds. We feel like we have the right to know what God is doing every step of the way. We feel like God owes us explanations. And here's the thing. We as God's children, we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. And God has given us promise after promise after promise after promise after promise. The problem is we are preoccupied as a people with the will of God. Meaning we want to look behind the curtain. We want God to show us what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen the next day, what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen here, there, and somewhere else. And all the while, while we're looking behind the curtain, you know what we're missing? We're missing a personal God now. We're missing a relationship with God now because we're looking and wanting God to show us something in the future. Just think about that reality. We don't know the way that God knows, but it should comfort us that God knows. He knows. God knows. He knows. He knows. His knowledge is inclusive. And then lastly, God's knowledge is intimate. God's knowledge is intimate. Have you ever met someone who was so smart, insanely smart, yet they had zero personal skills? Anybody? I think about you know, my, my trip to, to doctor's offices. Most doctors in hospitals, when the doctors walk in, they are insanely smart, but they have zero ability to talk to people. I mean, it's almost awkward sometimes. It's like... Dude, let me stop you for a second and my, pretend that I'm a kindergartner and just let's start there. Let, let's start because there are people, they are so smart, yet they have zero ability to relate personally to others. Yet think about this. God, the IQ scale, God is not even on it. Yet he is able to personally relate to us. God is able to relate to us in a personal way. The Bible says he's acquainted with all of our ways. Or to put it this way, God is lofty in his wisdom, yet he is lowly in his interactions. He is lofty in his wisdom. He knows all things, yet he is lowly in the fact that he comes down and, and condescends and interacts with us. Listen to the way David put it in Psalm 139. Let me just say it again. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O God, you know it all together. Just think of the way that God knows us according to David. God knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. He knows our character. He knows us to the core of us. In 1 Samuel 16, there's a story told where the prophet Samuel is sent to Jesse's house to anoint the next king, the second king of Israel. And God says in verse, uh, chapter seven, 16, verse 7, God says to Samuel, Do not look at the outward appearance. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God says, I look on the heart. I look to the heart of the matter. God knows what we don't know. Did you know that the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things? Who can know it? 
The Bible tells us because our heart is deceitful, we can't even know our own hearts. Which that scares me. I said this on Wednesday night, but let me just say that it scares me when I talk to professing believers who will say things like this. Well, I know the Bible says this about God, but it just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right for me that God would do this or God would, would do I just don't believe in a God that would do that. I don't believe in this kind of God. And what we're doing is we're saying we are trusting our deceitful hearts above trusting what God has um, infinitely in his wisdom declared to be true. Don't trust your hearts. You cannot trust your hearts. God knows our hearts and he will make our hearts known to us. He knows our hearts. Then God also knows our ways. In Psalm 139, 2 and 3, God's acquainted with all of our ways. And those are so comforting words. Those are some comforting words. God, he knows our ways. But those are also some convicting words because God knows our ways. He knows the things that we hide that others don't see. Our daily activities are completely familiar to him. When we sit down and when we get up, he knows. He knows every emotion, every feeling, every idea, every thought. God knows every motive for why we do what we do. And God knows every anxious moment in our lives when we choose not to trust him. And he knows it all as if it is an open book before him. Though God is extremely high and though we are extremely low, he is familiar with all of our ways. And then God knows our words. Before a word is even on our tongue, God knows it. And think about this. Why are words important? Let me tell you something that you might not know. If you want to know the condition of your heart, the Bible says, listen to your words. For your words will show you the condition of your heart. In fact, Jesus says in Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of their heart will produce good. The evil person out of the evil treasure of their heart will produce evil. Then he says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's in your heart, listen to your words. And the problem is most of us aren't listening. We're not listening to what our words are telling us. Our words will show us our heart's condition, and that's not always a good thing. God has intimate knowledge of us. Let me end in two ways um, this morning. First of all, I want to I cheer our hearts this morning in this sense. God knows us. He knows us. He knows every tear that we cry. Psalm 56, 8, it says this, You have kept count of my tossings. How many of you have ever ever tossed in your sleep all night long because you were worried and concerned, and yet the Bible says God keeps count of our tossings, and it says this, and he puts all of our tears in a bottle. Not one of our tears falls that God doesn't know about. This is amazing knowledge that God has. He knows every trial that we go through. He knows every difficulty that we face. God knows the heaviness of what we carry. And God knows how long it will last. God's wisdom is incomprehensible. Yet it is intimate. God's wisdom is enduringly strong because we are so weak. And let me do this. I not only want to cheer our hearts, I want to challenge our hearts this morning in this way. If God knows us, and the Bible says he does, then that means that God also knows the worst of us. 
God knows the worst of every one of us. And I think this, one of the greatest obstacles to experiencing intimacy with God is our knowledge of God's knowledge of us. So let me say it again. One of the greatest obstacles for us experiencing intimacy with God is our knowledge of God's knowledge of us. And that might, might sound very strange, but let me explain it with two questions. Why do we often hesitate to draw near to God? Or why do we often strive to keep God at arm's length, especially after we have sinned? So why do we kind of keep God at a distance? And there are so many reasons why we do that and so many ways we could answer those questions. But let me suggest one. I think we run from God rather than running to God because we know our own hearts very well and we don't know God's heart very well at all. Meaning we know our hearts better than we know God's heart. And because of that, we run from him. Most of us in this room, if you are seeking the Lord, let me, say, let me preface it by saying that if you are seeking the Lord, you are painfully obvious of your sin. You know your sin. Now, here, here's what scares me. What scares me is many people who profess to be Christians, you never hear them talking about their sin. You never hear them when they pray say, God, forgive me of my sin. As if many professing Christians don't think anything of that which has separated us from God. But those who are seeking after the Lord, you are very much aware of your sin. Because number one, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Number two, you have an enemy who constantly reminds you of your sin. We have this inescapable and undeniable knowledge that we have sinned against God. So here's what we say. We say, how could God possibly stand to be in my presence when I don't even like being in my presence? God is so holy. I'm unholy. God is so righteous and I am a sinner. And we think, end of story, end of hope for me, I am done. Or we think, if I am disgusting to myself, surely I must be disgusting to God. Yet understand this, brothers and sisters, and please hear this. This is the application. God's infinite and perfect knowledge of every fiber of our being was no obstacle to him saving us. God in his perfect knowledge of us didn't look at us and said, I could never save them. God looked at us and in his perfect knowledge of us says, I must save them. I must do for them what they could never do for themselves. So he determined to send his son to endure in our place the wrath of God that we deserve. And this being done, God does no, he no longer sees us in our sin. Now he sees us in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He sees us in his son, in his righteousness. He sees us in the work of his grace. Let me say this this morning, no matter how well we know our hearts, if we would just know the heart of God, if we would just understand his wisdom and his intentions for us, all fear and hesitation would disappear. Let me put one more verse up on the screen. And it is Psalm 103, verse 14. Just look at this. Just look at it and stare and just read. Listen to what it says. God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Man, we think that we're sometimes we're like awesome, like I'm made out of awesome stuff. No, we're made out of dust. 
And God knows our frame and He remembers that we are dust. He knows. He remembers. And if we will but come to Him, we will find Him so full of compassion and kindness and ready to receive us no matter how often our dust gets in the way. No matter how often our dust mess, messes things up, God is an ever-flowing, never-ending fountain of forgiveness to those who in repentance and faith seek Him for refuge and safety. Let me say this this morning, and please, let's, if, you, if you haven't, if you've kind of dozed off, let's come back in and let's finish up. God knows you. He loves you. You, he wants you. He wants you. Don't let God's knowledge get in the way of you coming to him. For his knowledge of you didn't get in the way of him sending his son to come to you. God knew. He knew you and yet he sent his son to you. Down to this earth. Don't let your knowledge of yourself or his knowledge of you keep you from coming to him. He knows you. He loves you. He wants you. Oh, how he wants to be wanted. Let's stand this morning. And whatever it is that God is telling us to do in this moment, let us respond to him. As the band comes forward, let's pray together. Father, we come before you. The one who waits to be wanted, the one who knows us perfectly, yet loves us. Oh God, how you love us. You know us, you love us, and you want us. God, I pray for anyone in this room today that doesn't know you, that has never turned from their sin and turned from trusting in themselves and turned to you, Jesus Christ, entrusted you as Savior and Lord. God, if anyone in this room has never done that, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, your word tells us, whoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, I also pray for the believer in this room that maybe in this moment, find themselves just like the prodigal son. They have run away from you and they have found themselves in a filthy place. And yet through your spirit, they are coming to their senses. And Lord, you are not surprised. You know. You knew and you know and you love and you are drawing. Father, give those today the strength to get up from the pit that they're in. And know that that one step towards you will lead to you running to them and throwing yourself upon them because that's the way you love us. Father, finish this time today in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Whisper to our soul. 